Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, Happy New Year, One Church CEO. It's so good to be with you today. We had a great New Year's Eve gathering together, and you know, it's my hope and prayer. I know that God has some exciting things ahead for us as a community, but also for you as an individual. In fact, on this first Sunday of 2022, I want to invite you to take a a different tact this year. Now, uh, often at the beginning of a new year, we set goals, and I'd encourage you to do that. I do that in my own life. Uh, Those can be encouraging and motivating and fueling things in our lives. But but I want to encourage you to take a, a different posture and develop a different habit. I'm hoping that we as a community will develop the habit and the posture of emptying our bucket. See, so much of life is stacked towards filling your bucket. Everything about life is about accumulation and and growing and filling your own bucket. Now, the thing is, if your focus is just on filling your bucket, you're always going to be keenly aware of what you're missing, not what you have. And what this does to us in our relationships with other people, and certainly in God moments like this, this gathering right here, we begin to see them as transactional in nature. Uh, we begin to see them like, what am I getting out of this? What value add is this person in my life? Or what value add is this moment in my life? And we become more transactional in nature. And I fell into this as a pastor, a young pastor. I remember coming to a place of frustration and exhaustion because I was so busy trying to be all things to all people, trying to fill everyone's bucket. Until I realized, as Pastor Andy Stanley would say, we're never responsible for filling any, anyone else's bucket. Our responsibility is emptying ours. Your responsibility, what if in 2022, we took this to heart as a community, that our responsibility and focus was to empty our buckets? What if, as I challenged us on New Year's Eve gathering to do, what if we believe Jesus when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given unto you? In other words that our buckets are actually filled as we posture our hearts to give. Our bucket is filled as we empty it. What if the focus was on emptying your bucket? If you have a Bible or a Bible app, turn to Luke chapter 7. This is a familiar story that I want to unpack with you a little bit on this first message of 2022. And so Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36, it's an empty the bucket type story from an unlikely source. Uh, In order to understand it, though, let me pull back just before you read a portion of it. I'm going to read it for you today. Uh, So you understand the cultural context for it. In order to understand the story that Jesus is, this account that Jesus is experiencing and we're told in Luke chapter 7, you need to understand a little bit more about Middle Eastern etiquette. Because in this story, uh, there are, on display is bad manners and poor etiquette. Uh, Fully on display. And the principal character in the story is a man named Simon the Pharisee. And Jesus has gone to eat at Simon's home. Now, Simon has bad manners in the story. And it's not because he doesn't understand the rules. 
not because his mother didn't raise him better than that, but Simon is disrespectful in this account. And he's about to get a lesson from an unlikely source of how you and I and he should treat Jesus in his life. Let's read it. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36, let me read the passage to you. One of the Pharisees asked him over for a meal, and that being Jesus. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman from the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in his home uh, of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet, letting down her hair. She dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus to the meal saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, uh, the prophet I thought he was, he'd know what type of woman this was at his feet. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And in that ancient idiom, when someone says, I have something to tell you, he's basically saying, I've got some harsh words for you here. And Simon responds, okay, Jesus, tell me. And Jesus tells him a little story. He says, two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither could pay up. And so the banker canceled more debts. Which of the two were more grateful? And Simon answered, I suppose the one who's been forgiven the most. Jesus says, you're right, Simon. You're a good student. You're listening. That's right. Then turning to the woman, but still speaking to Simon, he said, do you see this woman? I came into your home and you provided no water for my feet, but she's rained down tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with, with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? Jesus said. She was forgiven many, many sins and so she's very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. What's going on here? Jesus is invited to Simon's house. He's invited for a meal. And when Jesus shows up, Simon's rude. He's rude here. See, in the ancient culture, in the etiquette of that day, when you were greeting someone of equal social standing as you were, you would greet them with a kiss on the cheek. If you really wanted to honor them, you would kiss their hand. Uh, it makes me think of uh, Filipino culture. Uh, when someone's older and you're honoring them, you would you put your forehead to their hand and say, kamasta po kayo. So I'll, I'll, anyone who's Filipino watching this, you know what that means. It's an act of honoring the person, but none of that happens here. None of that happens here. It'd be like someone inviting you over to the house and them not even shaking your hand or hugging you or warmly greeting you. You'd be like, like why'd you invite me? Why, why, why you invite me here? Jesus comes in with his feet dusty and dirty. It was mandatory in that culture to wash your feet before you ate. So if a host really wanted to honor a guest, the host would wash the guest's feet. Uh, at the bare minimum, there were often servants that would wash the feet of those who came to eat. In the poorest homes and maybe at the lowest common denominator, you would provide water and a basin and a towel for the guests to wash their own feet. But none of that happens. If you wanted to bless the guest, when they came into the house, you would anoint them with a little bit of inexpensive olive oil as a way to bless them. That also 
doesn't happen. So Jesus comes in and eats at this man's house and none of those things happen. And the question I think I have and maybe you'd have as you read this text is, so why'd you even bother inviting Jesus over? Why, why would you even bother if you didn't want him in your house? Well, Simon's, Simon's checking a box here. He's doing his religious duty. As a ranking religious leader in that town or village, he was obligated to host or to have the visiting rabbi over to his house for a meal. It was an obligation. It was a duty. It was a religious right that he had to participate in. So maybe after Jesus' teaching, I can imagine Simon's voice and tone when he said to Jesus, you know, I suppose you, you can come over for a meal if you want to. Yeah, I suppose you could. This is a religious responsibility. He's checking a box. This is a duty. He doesn't want to. He feels he has to. You know, on this cusp of 2022, as we enter into it, sometimes we can come to gatherings like this. I often think of it when we are in in-person gatherings, and especially pre-pandemic days. How many people came because it was a religious obligation? It was a duty. It was a lot like Simon was. Uh, you know, I, 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 their mom, mom wanted me there. Granny was going to check in on me. <laughs> Dad was pressuring me. You know, I think one of the greatest casualties of this pandemic will be casual Christians. Uh, people who are followers of Jesus, but uh, it was casual in nature. It's never been easier to disconnect right now. It's never been easier to be, go undetected. But I think what's happening in Luke 7 is Simon's heart is not really in it. He's going through the motions. And there's a lot of irony in this because Simon would have gone to rabbinical school. And in rabbinical school, by the time he was 12 years of age, he would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. By the time he was 15 years of age, he would have memorized the entire Old Testament. Now, some of us have trouble with one verse. I mean, that's a lot of memory work. And that meant that he had memorized over 300 prophecies of Jesus. And the irony, don't let this get lost in you, is that sitting across from him that day at his very dinner table is the Messiah with dirty feet an unkissed cheek, and an unanointed head. But this woman, this woman comes in. In verse 7, 37, it describes her as a harlot. In other words, this is a woman who sins for a living. She makes money off this. She sings for a living. Now think about how she would have felt walking into this room of religious leaders. Can you imagine the tension, all these religious leaders doing their religious duty? Jesus is at the table. There's, they're all around. They're eating and in walks this woman. I mean, there would have been some people that have been like, what is she doing in a place like this? Maybe some of you feel like that. You come into a church or you come into a spiritual moment. You know, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? This story helps illustrate the fact that you're always welcome here. No matter what life you have done or what life has done to you, you're always welcome at the feet of Jesus. I imagine there's some religious leaders that their heads went down because they're a little embarrassed. This is awkward. You ever been in a moment, maybe a family gathering, where two people begin to fight and it's awkward, and maybe they're feeling a little embarrassed for Simon, he's the host, how's he going to manage this? I imagine there's a couple of religious leaders 
whose heads went down and their hearts started pounding because they know who she is. But she knows who they are. Maybe she's here to talk. But instead, she stands at the feet of Jesus and the tears from her cheeks begin to fall into his feet and she can see streaks of dirt. She realizes nobody's washed Jesus' feet. So she allows her tears to wet her feet, his feet and then she dries her feet with her hair. She lets down her hair and I, the moment she let her hair down, there would have been a gasp in the room. Now, in modern day, we don't get this connection. But to let down your hair in front of a man that's not your husband was grounds for divorce in this ancient culture. It was an incredibly intimate act, something that you wouldn't do. She's done this many times for men, but never for free. Never for free. And with tears coming down, she washes his feet and dries them with her hair. Now, everybody's expecting, even Jesus' followers would be expecting Jesus to say, woman, this is highly inappropriate. This is not appropriate. You need to stop this. But he doesn't. And she has a jar of perfume around her neck as women that were in her profession often would. And it's very expensive. I mean, really expensive. That perfume would have cost a normal person's year-long wages. It was very expensive. She used it one drop at a time, one man at a time. But in this moment, she just pours it out on his feet. The scent in that room would have been overwhelming. I mean, what's going on here? It was something, when she poured that out, this is something of great value. She could have sold this. This represented her profession. This represented her identity. This was what she had put her trust in. What is this woman doing? She's surrendering. She's surrendering. Friends, when she emptied that jar on Jesus' feet, when she comes into this room, was it reckless? Yeah, it, it was reckless. Was it impulsive? I think it was. I don't think she knew that Jesus' feet hadn't been washed when she came into that room. This is an impulsive thing. She didn't pre-plan this. She came in. She needed to get to Jesus. There's a recklessness. It's impulsive. Was it inappropriate? Yes. (laughs) Highly inappropriate. People were offended in that room. Did Jesus love it? Yes. He loved it. She empties her bucket at Jesus' feet. Friend, when was the last time you emptied yours at Jesus' feet? When was the last time that you felt so overwhelmed with love and grace? She probably heard Jesus teaching earlier that week or or that day in the village. And when was the last time that you're so moved by the love and grace of Jesus that you couldn't hold back the tears? When was the last time that you were so amazed that you just poured it out? You know, I I was thinking about this as I was writing this message. I was thinking about when Shelly and I were engaged. Uh, This is a picture of us. We we were young. I mean, Shelly was 22. I was 23 in this picture. Uh, People think she's always a lot younger than me. Just one year, friends. Just one year. 
uh, this is us on our wedding day, but we were engaged. And uh, the distance was, I was in Toronto, a youth pastor here in Toronto in the Jane and Finch area. She, she was living in St. John, New Brunswick. And uh, this is pre-FaceTime, pre-texting, pre-emails, pre-internet. So we were calling each other and occasionally writing each other. And uh, I remember the morning I called her. And uh, if you've been in love, you know what I mean. That ache in your heart was just like, I can't do this. And uh, impulsively, I drove my car to Pearson International Airport. I bought a ticket that day. I flew to St. John that day, unannounced. She didn't know I was coming. We had just talked that morning. And her, the airport to her house is all in walking distance. So I grabbed my bag. I walked across the highway. I went to her house. I knocked on the door. Shelly opened the door. And guess what happened? None of your business. The rest is history. Listen, was that extravagant? Yeah. I was a youth pastor at the time, and the church couldn't even afford to barely pay me anything. I couldn't afford rent. I couldn't even afford to rent a room in a house. So they had made a makeshift bedroom in the church building that I worked in. So, I mean, I couldn't afford to do this. This was, uh, this was an extravagant. Was it impulsive? Yeah. I didn't wake up that morning planning to fly to St. John. I, I, it wasn't even in the cards. I, I had no plan to do it. So it was extravagant. It was impulsive. Was it reckless? <laughs> yes. There was no cost analysis done in advance of this. Did Shelley love it? Yeah, sure she did. You see, friends, this brings up a principle. Sometimes love looks impractical and even reckless to the observer. But to those who love, it feels right to be sacrificial. Let me read that again. Sometimes love looks impractical and even reckless to the observer looking at that moment. But to those who love, those who are in love, it feels only right to be sacrificial. Emptying your bucket is when you say to Jesus, everything I have is yours. My talents, my abilities, my resources, my home, it all belongs to you. Emptying your bucket is the ultimate act of surrender. It's surrendering. It's, it's when people around you think maybe you're going a little too far here. You're taking a little too far. If you're a parent, please, please take a minute just to listen to me because I've learned some lessons as a parent, as I've raised children myself. I've got a dad hat that I put on a lot and some of you dads know what I mean. Some of you moms, you, you've got that same mom hat. And that dad hat is always focused on what's practical, what, what's, uh, what's measured, it's, it's careful in nature. And if I'm not careful, when I see my children being extravagant, even as adults, I see them being extravagant, I want to caution them. And sometimes that's good in terms of, you know, monetary extravagance towards materialism or just things in this life. But sometimes I want to caution them even when they're being extravagant at the feet of Jesus. It's like I want to say, listen, listen, okay, yeah, do something for sure. But there will be a season where you can do more. Wait, wait for them. And if I'm not careful as a parent, when they're trying to empty their buckets, I'm putting a lid on it the whole time. 
Be careful, parents. You, you know, I, I, think, I think one of the greatest ways we help our children to be people that are able to empty their bucket at the feet of Jesus is that firstly, we, we're doing it. We're doing it. See, we gotta believe that there's nothing more important than your child giving everything they got at the feet of Jesus. As if they'll ever regret that. As if they'll get to heaven someday and the treasure they stored up there won't far exceed any treasure or any accolade they could ever accumulate in this life. Friends, live the values that we profess. See, I know that there are some of us that understand this, but still, you know, because of maybe experience, life experience, because of some hits we've experienced in life, some hardship we've gone through, some seasons where we felt uh, under-resourced even, I think there are moments where we say, yes, yeah, that's right, Pastor Jonathan, but, but we need to be balanced here. We really need to be balanced. And if we're honest, we kind of feel sorry for people who sold their home and went to the mission field. Or we feel sorry for people that abandoned a successful career track in the pursuit of Jesus and a mission and a calling. We somehow feel uh, sorry for those who've given up on their progress or their possessions in this life. Friends, don't be, feel sorry for them. Feel sorry for the man who dies with means in his bank account and no treasure stored up in heaven. Emptying our bucket is uncomfortable. In verse 39, it says this, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, I want you to know, he didn't say this out loud. I mean, he's doing what we often do. We judge inside, you know, we're judging each other from the inside. He's judging Jesus. If this man really was a prophet, I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who's falling all over him. And the beautiful thing is in the text in verse 40, it actually says that Jesus answered him in one translation. Or in this one that I just read, Jesus said to him, he may be having inside conversation, but Jesus knows what he's saying. And Jesus answers him. Jesus responds to him. When I entered your home, you didn't give me a kiss on the cheek. And she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. When I entered in your home, you didn't wash my feet. And she's washed my feet with her tears and dried it with her hair. When I entered your home, you didn't anoint me and bless me. And she has blessed me and anointed me with her perfume. Those who are forgiven much, love much. Those who are forgiven little, love little. It's not that Simon doesn't have much to be forgiven of. It's just he doesn't realize it. He doesn't realize that self-righteousness makes God want to throw up. He doesn't realize how deep the depth of his sin is. Because why? Because he's good at checking some good boxes here. Friends, I think we see people sometimes like this woman. And I, honestly, I think sometimes we think we're, they're crazy. It's crazy to give 10% of your income away. It's only crazy because maybe you think that's your income, that it's yours. Uh, just as this woman and those who do this, they realize it's, it's not theirs. 
Sometimes we think it's crazy when people take their vacation to serve in our summer day camp here and serve our kids and build the kingdom of God in them or go on a mission trip somewhere. Why would you give up your time off? Uh, They don't understand. See, the question for you and the question for me is maybe this. Who am I in this story? Or the better question might be, who do I want to be? Because I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us are trying to be like Simon. I think a lot of us are trying to appear, to do the right things. I think a lot of us are, are doing our best to keep things all together and act like we've got it all together. I mean, Jesus is nice, but he's not super necessary. We lack the desperation for Jesus or the the dependency on Jesus that this woman displays in this moment. I think we kind of know we should be more like this woman, but you can't be like this woman unless you humble yourself. You can't be like this woman unless you surrender yourself. You can't be like this woman unless you don't care what other people think about you. And that's a hard place to come to. Listen, one church to as we kind of conclude this gathering and we head into 2022, friends, if our worship doesn't overflow with joy and gratitude, if there are no tears in our worship, if there are no moments where we are expressing so much love that, that it overwhelms us, we're missing the point. We're not always gonna feel like that every time. But if we don't have those moments, we're missing the point. Friends, if we're not known for our sacrificial generosity as a community or as an individual, we're missing the point here. We're missing the point. If giving to God is something you feel you have to do out of duty, if it's something that you feel pressured to do or you need to be guilted into it in order to do it, then then keep your money, keep your stuff, keep your stuff in your own bucket and keep it to yourself. Why? Because God doesn't need your bucket. He doesn't need your money. If he needed it, friends, I'll be honest with you, he'd take it. He'd take it. How could you, how could I, how could anyone stop him? God does not need it. When we empty our bucket, we, get become, we have the opportunity to become the type of community that knows how to extravagantly worship our Lord and Savior because we are overwhelmed with his love and grace. I hope we become known as a community that worships extravagantly, that, it, that lives generous lives. And I'll tell you, the way that you can be more confident and actually emptying your bucket is what I encourage you to do on New Year's Eve. Now, Christmas Eve's message, New Year's Eve's message, and this message, they're all connected. If you missed any one of them, I'd encourage you, go back into our catalog on our YouTube channel or on demand and just listen to those messages. And if you can, in order, I think it's helpful because each of those messages builds towards 2022 in the series that Pastor Keith and I are gonna launch next week when we talk about the church. I'm so excited as we look through the book of Acts together what that's gonna be like. But friends, it's easy to empty your bucket when you believe what Jesus said. In fact, 
uh, our, it'll be available link in, if you're watching this online right now. Uh, that, uh, we prepared a little PDF and I have some declarations there of what Jesus said. I, I call them I believe Jesus statements that I'd encourage you to plant those seeds as you head into 2022 because if you actually believe them, it's so much easier to get at his feet and worship him. I'd like this opportunity to pray for you and your families on this first Sunday of 2022. In just a moment, Pastor Matt's gonna have some great next steps. But before we do, would you join me in praying? Jesus, we come into your presence today. And God, maybe some of us feel a lot like this woman. We wonder, what are we doing here? (laughs) How is it that we deserve to be in this place at your feet? Those who are forgiven much, love much. God, I pray in the cusp of 2022 at this first Sunday, would you grace us? And this is a great invitation for anyone watching right now just to say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. Would you wash away all the filth and dirt that I've created in my own life or the things that have even been done to me that have hurt and harmed me and have begun to impact my relationship with you, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me, clean me up from all unrighteousness? And in this moment, on this first Sunday in 2022, this is a great prayer for all of us, whether we're a Simon or a woman in the story, to say, I surrender, Jesus. I surrender all that I have, all that I am, everything that is within my power to give, God, I give it to you. Would you help me to steward the things you've entrusted with me in 2022? Jesus, I want to be a lover of you. You're the lover of my soul. I want to love you in deeper and more meaningful ways in 2022. So I humble myself I surrender myself and I choose to say at the beginning of 2022 that I care more what you think than what, I, what others think. God, if it looks even a little embarrassing, I want to love you with that same sort of, from the outside, looking a little reckless or impulsive, but extravagant love. I love you, Jesus, and I need you, Jesus. Amen. Love you, One Church Deal. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.